I will go with you. Will you go with me to the Dairy Queen? I would love to go with you. I thank you so for offering. Next key. I think we made podcast history. <laughs> that better that not be on there. That's the best thing I've heard on morning. <laughs> That's going to be the first thing we play. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Uh, the musical. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia. My name is Scott Wise and I'm here with my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, we made it to February. We've made it to February, February 3rd to be exact. I believe we're pretty close to the actual birthday of the podcast. I think, if memory serves, we recorded our first episode one year ago this week. Yes, we did. So, How do you feel? So happy birthday. <laughs> I feel accomplished. I mean, we kind of like had this dream. We had this idea to... Do something, put it out in the world. And a lot of people talk. Oh, it was a dream. It's been so dreamy. A lot of people talk about doing things. Yep. And so it's and another thing to them. actually do it. Mm-hmm. And so we just jumped off the cliff together. You jump, I jump, like a Leo and Kate on the Titanic. Dreamed it real life. And uh, yeah, exactly. We did it. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, send all your complaints to scottwise at gmail.com. No, I'm joking. Send all your complaints to eatitvirginia at gmail.com. And maybe some praise here or there. You can mix some praise. You can in. pepper it in, but why do that? Now and again. We have a great episode today for you. Michael Smith from Laura Lee's is joining us. God, that dude is a wonderful general manager and also super effing talented he is hopefully you listen to the song at the beginning of the show there's a little and bit at of, the end there's a little bit of that coming up as well uh as roby mentioned michael the general manager at laura lee's he also came from amuse. The roosevelt and amuse and he gets into his richmond story with us here in a little bit and how those restaurants differ and he was at the roosevelt and it's like rise which is very cool to hear um and then at amuse when it first opened which is also really cool to hear Michael's the man, and we look forward to hearing from him in just a moment. Got some Richmond restaurant news to cover before we get there, though. We're, we're going to start with some bad and then go to the good. How about that? I, I, I think that's the way to do it. Bad news, bad, bleh, bad news first, good news afterwards. I can't even say it, Scott. Um, Saltbox down. Saltbox. This is the seafood restaurant at Willow Lawn. It is, and I believe that that is coming to an end. Also, Bar Louie, which honestly doesn't surprise me because i always felt like it was drinking in a gymnasium you know it's you know i haven't been to bar louis in probably a decade or more go to your high school gym yeah. grab a pint of beer and that is bar louis but it's been open for more than a decade i mean it's not like it was a failure i mean that place was open for a very long time why does nothing work in willow lawn well that's a pretty bold statement Okay. Things work in Willow Lawn. Oh, what works, Old Navy? I mean, I feel like the whole mall has reinvented itself in general, so that's I, a success story for Willow Lawn. I'm not saying your drive through Starbucks and your awesome, like, chopped salad where you don't have to have a bunch of dressing because they shake it all up or whatever I it is. I love that chopped place. I, I feel like that's a fun place as I like well. It. I mean, I agree. But, like, Family Meal, Salt Box, yeah. Trevenia, which, ew, gross, gross, gross. So I don't, I totally get why that didn't work. But that was a national chain, right? That was Yes, st- still ick. Okay. I mean, just because you're a national chain doesn't make you not icky. Um, what else? That Legends place, then like the American Tap Room or yeah, whatever that, that, that it was called. Yeah, other corner over there. Things kept on opening. Like, which but, had those great garage doors yeah. that means that the bar could open on both sides you know, to the parking lot. I'm not sure lot. what the issues are. I don't know, like behind the scenes, financially, corporate wise. I don't know any of that, obviously. Well, I can tell you right now, do not go to that Mexican restaurant that's next to the DSW. Okay. It's disgusting. Fair. How about that? I won't go there. What is the name so of that place? That's a problem, place? obviously. But just in general, you know, when I was thinking about Willow Lawn, some of the spaces like the chop you were talking about in the Starbucks are very visible from the roads. And some of these bigger restaurants aren't quite as visible from, from Broad Street and Willow Lawn Drive. Does well, that have an I issue? Mean, I don't know, but Libby Mill doesn't have visible restaurants from the road. And I feel like they're doing okay over there with the two that they have and maybe a couple more. Perhaps I mean those restaurants. Do you might be go a more with your kids? There's place. Restaurants? I mean, your kids are too old to play in on the swing set there. I mean, <laughs> the swing set where? There's like weird things for kids oh, to play Willow on Lawn, at Willow Lawn. Lawn. Right, right. Not swing set at Shag Bark at yeah, <laughs> or no. Libby Mill, yeah, but Austin like Walter. Maybe in the next Bundy put in a swing set. Yeah, they got sure. a lot of wood hanging yeah. out in that restaurant. Just add a swing. We got some openings. Ah, uh, we don't have openings. We have one we big have opening. Soon to be opening. Oh no, we have one big opening too. The Whole Foods on West Broad Street. 
Seven years in the making. The longest grocery store ever. It's an epic tale. I love a grocery store opening. Do you have any inside scoop as to what took that place so long to get open? Mm, I don't know. Think about what they had to put in there. Seven years? I mean, I literally picked up an article on our website from six or seven years ago that said, we're announcing this new Whole Foods coming to Richmond. You got to get it right. I mean, like, think about it. Like a big old bar at the top of it. Like Seven multiple years. local relationships. It takes a long time to build a lasting relationship. I guess so. Have you been to the new one yet? No, I haven't been to the new one yet. You're, I should probably go, but there was a line. You were telling me earlier that like grocery store openings are your thing, your jam. They're my happy place. Why is this? Because there's like all this good food hanging out and like people are excited and everything's new and shiny and... What are your, what is your grocery shopping? Like, what, what is your schedule like? Do you have places that you go every week? Or do you? So like the fresh market on Tuesday when they have like a chicken sale or the Whole Foods when they have like the two for 10 soups. No, I'm not that kid. I mean, like sometimes I just, if I just happen to be there, I'll take the things. But I really like those ones that I just mentioned. I try to support Elwood's as much as possible. I'm at Trader Joe's on occasion. Why don't they open a second one? Here in Richmond. Takes time, Ruby. Takes time to get everything perfect. Seven years. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, so we had some closings. We had some openings. Let's go to Laura Lee's and talk to Michael about his life. We're going to sing to Laura Lee's. It's just going to be a bunch of cackling. I'm just going to warn you all now. You that better... was the best thing ever! <laughs> <laughs> so I was in an acapella group for four years in college, and that was our like go-to warm-up. So where did you go to college? William and Mary. <laughs> oh, the small school. The I've never heard little, of it. Yes. Yeah, just like it's kind of not new. too hard to get into that one. Uh, I'm a I le- know. I'm, it was my safety school. <laughs> yeah. I'm a total legacy kid. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's, I mean, honestly, I don't know if that means a whole ton anymore. You had to have like the chops. I'm not an idiot, but I definitely was not the smartest kid at William and Mary. <laughs> What was the name of that acapella group? Usually they have like catchy, yeah, funny yeah. names. Double take. Yeah. <laughs> but we were William and Mary's first co-ed group. Nice. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually it started out with a bunch of like, they, they said they were going to be um, William and Mary's new, uh, newest male acapella group. And then a bunch of women showed up in men's clothing, like alongside a bunch of queer people and other guys. And they, I think they were, had called themselves like the, uh, oh, something like the men with ties or something stupid like that. And then when they showed up, it was like, oh, they're actually co-ed. And so people had to do a double take. And then like after that, the the name changed. He air quotes that. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. None of that needs to make it into the podcast. Oh, it all is going directly. And it's Everything you say can and will be used against you. Okay, yeah, exactly. I haven't been given my Miranda rights. Yeah. (laughs) I I will Miranda rights you after this is over. (laughs) (laughs) That way you can say I take it all back. Let's do it. Tell the folks who were with, Roby. Oh, the lovely Michael Smith of Laura Lee's. Hi. <laughs> so, Michael, at Laura Lee's, your job is what? Yeah, I mean, I guess I call myself what GM. What is it? Yeah, I know. I wear many hats. Um, I sometimes refer to myself as the ringleader. Um, I'm there to make sure that everyone has a good time, um, both f- people who come into the restaurant as well as people who work at the restaurant. <laughs> so I'm in charge of staffing the front of the house, and you'll see me most nights at the front door as well, um, greeting guests, and I'm as much a part of the team as anyone. I'm not this satellite manager that sits in an office and comes out when it's time to do the money at the end of the night. I'm very hands-on. So for people that don't know where Laura Lee's is, explain its location in Richmond. Yeah, so we're in within the city limits of Richmond, but just across the river, that pesky James River oh, that nobody can... so good. I, <laughs> yeah, so we're right on Sims Avenue, uh, tucked in Woodland Heights. Sure. Um, between like the Forest Hill uh, neighborhood and like near Westover Hills, very close to the Little Nickel, if you haven't been there. Sure. Also mm-hmm. a great spot to eat. So awesome. yes, you're right in good company there. Yeah. How long has Laura Lee's been open? We are about three and a half years, okay. believe it or not. We opened September 2016. And this is not your first like general manager, ringleader of the lovely, amazing circus job. No, <laughs> no I'm a crazy person and, and have been doing it for over a decade now. Ooh. I know. Yeah. Specifically managing, you know, managing people. Um, I started, um, I started restaurant management actually at, at the Museum of Fine Arts uh, at the VMFA when they uh, opened up a muse in 2010. I was 23 years old and they were like, hey, here's the keys to this million dollar, you know, facility. And I was now like, people are, are spending the night there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard stories. <laughs> 
Oh man. Yeah. You have stories. I'm sure. Oh my gosh. The museum was incredible. You know, being able to work in an arts facility is just alone. And it has so many stories. You know, I, I met so many cool artists, Sally Mann, Chuck Close. Um, you know, I went to school for art history. And so like when I got the job at the museum, it really was kind of dipping my toe in the art world and seeing if I wanted to pursue something like that. And I actually just kind of got bit by the hospitality bug instead and was like, well, this is probably the direction I need to go. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Who was the chef at Amuse when you were there? Greg, Greg Haley, Haley. And he's okay. still there. Yeah. Uh, what a gr- good chef, man. Greg is excellent. So you went to the museum as an art job and it became a, a restaurant <laughs> well, job? Well, no, no. I got hired I got hired to work in food okay. service. Food is art, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had applied. He's already yelling at me, Michael. <laughs> I applied for so many other positions. Can you sing another there. song for us? <laughs> food she's is already art. Yelling at Cue me. the Stevie Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I like got hired as a. Um, I got hired into the restaurant, but um, kind of was like thinking it would be a stepping stone into maybe, you know, getting involved in special exhibitions or maybe the education department there. Um, but I soon kind of saw the inner workings of um, working for the state of Virginia. That was a state job. Um, so there's lots of bureaucracy and red tape, um, which working in a restaurant setting isn't really conducive to all of that red tape. And it sort of um, became a little bit more difficult at times. Um, that's why when in 2014, when Kendra Feather reached out to me to manage the Roosevelt, which at that time was kind of bursting at the seams, sure. um, as was Richmond's food scene, still is. Um, but I was, I, I had to take that opportunity. I mean, at that point I had no intention of leaving the museum. Um, but I had this soft-spoken, incredible woman on the other end of the phone who I'd admired, um, for many years. And, um, lo and behold, we started working together. Let's talk about that relationship a little bit. Yeah. How did you guys first meet? How did, why did she call you? <laughs> Kendra, like, she was just like, Hey man, I'd like you over at the Rosa. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kendra and I had met, um, when I was living on Monument Avenue, very close to Garnett's and they had recently opened and me and my roommate at the time would be usually hung over when we went and found a bar stool and would get one of the like croak garnets or croak madames, which are just so good. If you haven't had it before, it's like a. I'm not even sure how she makes any money because they're inexpensive <laughs> yes. and delicious. Oh my gosh, which and is if why you I go love for it. happy hour. Uh-huh. What you, it's like a 50 cent wine. It's not 50 cent. Do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Their date night is incredible. Oh, God. And just all around cute. If you haven't been in garnets, it is so adorable. And they're coming up on, I think, 10 years too. A little bit of time. I mean, they may have already had their tenure anyhow. Um, but yeah, the croque madame's ham and cheese sandwich covered in gravy with an egg on it. There, it nothing gets. There's nothing better than that. That is a solid foundation for any relationship. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why every relationship doesn't start I like that. I think they should. <laughs> but between the that, divorce rate would be a lot lower, I think. <laughs> well, he's still with Kendra, so... There you <laughs> I mean, go. Exactly. You, yeah. There's your proof. I know. Well, food is definitely, you know, an entryway into my heart, so... <laughs> the only way into my heart. <laughs> but yeah, Kendra and I, um, you know, we... She knew me then. She would come into the museum, but I didn't really know her very well. And then I, I guess it came time for the Roosevelt to need somebody to kind of guide the front door. They were getting so incredibly busy. And T. Leggett, who you guys have interviewed, I believe, mm-hmm. he was doing an r- incredible job, you know, managing the bar, but he was also tasked with managing the floor. And so that's a, kind of an impossible job to do from behind the bar. Not that he couldn't do it. If anyone could do it, it would be T. Leggett. Um, but they needed somebody else to kind of guide the people in the front and pack those seats. And so I sat down with Kendra. We went to Stella's for lunch. I'll never forget it. We got the grilled octopus. And <laughs> she was talking to me like I had the job. And the whole time I thought it was a job interview. And I, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I walked away from that moment and was like, okay, well, here we go. I guess I got to take this. She yeah. already thinks I'm there. <laughs> yeah. And that was in the springtime. And it was just like, yeah, it was like everything was full of possibility. God, what a true saleswoman she is. That's an assumptive close if I've ever heard one. Right? So she, good. She's Good at what she does. So at the Roosevelt now, mm-hmm. I'm guessing the vibe is a little bit different than it was at the museum. Oh, totally. Are you kidding me? I went from, you know, working at a restaurant, which a lot of people had memories of, you know, the old members dining room. Like people would come to the VMFA um, from this, you know, having gone to the museum restaurant for years and years and years. Talk about like older clientele, um, richer clientele. There was a lot of, um, knowing who people were and knowing what they did and did not like at the museum. It was sort of a country club without being a country club. Sure. Um, 
but then going to a restaurant that has 40 seats and then 10 at the bar, which is not first come, first serve. They took, you know, reservations, but it very much was this like, get them in, get them out. <laughs> like we need to feed as many people as possible because so many people wanted to come into that restaurant. Sure. So let's talk about how many times you would turn the restaurant over in a night <sighs> at Amuse. Oh, I'm, well, so that's a tough question because we were mostly open during the day at Amuse. So it's like the time span of the lunch hours is a little bit different, but that said we would turn the restaurant for lunch at its peak, you know, during like peak exhibition hours, like maybe three times. And then let's talk about nighttime at the Roosevelt. How many times do you turn in that? And that was about three as well. So totally different hour wise. Yeah. But rotating through customers, pretty similar from a like, Table turner. At the time, the Roosevelt was the table to get. If you oh. could get that reservation, you're taking your time. You're not going to be zipping through dinner as fast as sure. you can. You're going to be enjoying cocktails from tea and Brandon. You're going to be getting appetizers. You're going to then go and get a bottle of Virginia wine. You know, right? Because <laughs> you guys had singularly had Virginia wine. Yeah. So the- it was Kendra's idea to do an all Virginia wine list, which seems kind of, at this point, you know, in 2020, it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but that hadn't been done before. And that was huge for Virginia wine. That's what got John T. Edge here to kind sure. of talk about the Roosevelt in the way that he had. He was excited about this, you know, local movement being uh, finding its way into Richmond. But finding its way into the details, yes. not just local fish or local meat. It's mm-hmm. like all the way down to local grapes. Yes. And it, you just walk into the Roosevelt and it buzzes with that energy of this is a Richmond restaurant. Sure. You know, and the decor has a lot to do with that. Um, the, the the location, Church Hill, that corner of Church Hill, is just really magical. There's, there's a lot of magic that happened at that restaurant. So... Let's so all your magic being thrown into the Roosevelt, and then, not just my magic. No, but, I don't. Oh, you got a lot of magic. So I don't know. Then um, a little turn towards Sims Avenue. Yeah, same female. Yes, at the helm. Yeah. I love her. It's the ham. It's the ham and the gravy. It's the it's croak. A, that's the, that's it's the foundation. She's still doing it. And the egg. Don't forget the egg. Very necessary. Yeah. Well, I you know I loved Churchill. Um, but it was, it was, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like home to me. And I don't live on the South side either, but when I saw the space of the, of Lorley's, you know, Kendra one day was like, Hey, I'm, we're going to be doing this thing. Come and look at the space. And so I saw it when it was getting gutted from being the white horse tavern, which it was before. But when I saw that neighborhood and I saw that space and I saw the potential and I knew that I could put my thumbprint on it and it could be something that was mine um i had to take that chance there's nothing more exciting than opening a new restaurant i found that out with the museum you know um but that i kind of got thrown in we had we had to open that restaurant in about a week and a half Mm. which was crazy um that's a whole other story (laughs) but um being able to spend a few months to um install you know install the program hired the staff and build it from the ground up at Laura Lee's was just a, an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Um, so I, t- I thought about it for a while. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to jump ship of something that's really, really, really cool. And at that point I had been working there for a couple of years. It was kind of running itself. Um, but I was like, yeah, let's just shake it up and do Laura Lee's. And I don't regret it at all. You know, it's been almost four years now. You mentioned you were able to put your mark on the restaurant. So yeah. I've been, I've been fortunate enough to, to dine at Laura Lee's a few times yeah. and experience your service. So what exactly is, your service, like what is your mark on that restaurant? Yeah, so, you know, I I like to look at the Roosevelt and Laura Lee's as sort of like counterparts. The Roosevelt had a lot of big, awesome, masculine personalities. Even the space feels really big and masculine and grand and Southern. And I really liked that, but it didn't really sound like my voice, even though I'm a big burly man, you know? <laughs> Like if you, I'm happy this is on radio for those who don't know what I look like. <laughs> He's <It's>, adorable, <laughs> but I'm I appreciate it's like Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I, would, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, totally. Harrison Listen. Ford, like 1980s Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh yes, the, oh the chiseled. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Definitely. You guys are making me blush. And he's in the plaid. It's amazing. <laughs> Lots of plaid. <laughs> Back on track. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But I can't focus. I know, Ruby. It's tough. Kendra and I sort of were looking at Laura Lee's as being like the the lady counterpart of the Roosevelt. We we wanted to do to interpret a restaurant in a way that was 
a little less about male ego and more about feminine sensibilities. So what does she do? She hires me. <laughs> <laughs> but so we we at Laura Lee's smart lady. <laughs> so at Laura Lee's, you know, we're based on this concept of a fern bar, and a lot of people don't really know exactly what a fern bar is. Yeah, um, please. Yeah. So uh, to to kind of keep it all tightened up as fast as I can. Um, in the late 60s, early 70s, this guy in California opened up a bar and he allowed women to tend bar, which he realized very quickly was illegal in the United States of America, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So he fought legislation and passed it. And essentially, you know, women were allowed to finally tend bar in the United States. Um, so this is all part of women's lib. Around the same time, a bunch of restaurants started popping up that were, you know, encouraging um, not not just women to tend bar, but for women to come to the bar. And so if you go back and look at like old episodes of like Mary Tyler Moore and other things like that, like a lot of them start as they're having like cocktails in their house. All the men go out to drink and they have their scotch and they have their cigars and all the ladies stay in and they have their martinis and they wait for the men to get home. Right. You know? So this was the Fern Bar was the first opportunity that women could go out in a safe place and enjoy cocktails that perhaps were even made by a woman. Um, and so that was a huge revolution, um, honestly, you know, which is kind of strange to think that it took sure, us women that drinking. Long. Absolutely. I, well, but it took us that long to get it, to that point. Of course. Um, so the, you know, the fern bars popped up everywhere. In fact, I think the, the TGI Fridays in Times Square or like thereabouts was like, a, like, uh, an example of a fern bar on, at, on the at East one Coast. time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The tobacco company of Richmond is an mm-hmm. example of a fern bar. Um, so like what, too bad it hasn't continued (laughs) oh i'll say it (laughs) so i worked there believe it or not i'm so sorry i skipped i skipped tobacco to and went straight to the museum of course you did i would too (laughs) (laughs) moving right along to a good fern bar but fern bars oftentimes you know have uh embellishments from your home that would make you feel comfortable. So lots of plants, lots of like wicker embellishments or, you know, like sateen or like um, brass and copper, um, stained glass, tchotchkes, you know, things that make you feel like you're in your own living But Laurelies isn't, when you think of tchotchkes and stuff like that, I start to get into like the cluttered old lady household. Laurelies is very practical and attractive. Yes. So we had we worked with an interior designer who really saw Kendra's vision through. Jennifer Shea with Hello Interiors. She's incredible. That's this a was a great her, name. I know. Except Shea is spelled S-K-J-E-I. Of course it is. So it's like Jennifer Shea is a beautiful name. Looking at it, you're like, I don't know how to say that last name. <laughs> Shout out to Jennifer. Love you. Hello, interiors. <laughs> um, but that this was her first restaurant job that she had ever designed. She'd done um, only... Um, commercial, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, residential. Yeah, sure. she, this was her, her, her first commercial, commercial. Um, interior design. And she really did a nice job. That space is really, really different in the day than it is at night. Um, she really nailed the color palette down, lots of blues and greens. Um, but the ceiling, uh, the like old tin ceiling, she painted this like pale yellow. So it really kind of gives it a, a lift. If you see pictures of what the White House, White Horse looked like before, it was very. Dude esque. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was owned by the individuals that owned Commercial Tap House, uh-huh. um, which is in the fan. And mm. it's, it's very beer centric, bari, beer okay. and British. I think they served mushy peas. Yeah, they did like bangers and mash delicious. and yeah, fish mean, and chips. And they had lots of draft beer. It definitely was, they were trying to go be a beer bar, sure. a pub. And that's, I mean, there's nothing against that, but it, it, they're, no. the vibe. Yeah, was one hundred percent. The space the needed a feminine touch. It needed a little lift. It needed something that fit that neighborhood, and so you know, Kendra named the restaurant Laura Lee's after her mother. Her grandmother is Grandma Garnet, so it only made sense to kind of follow up with her with her mother. Um, and so we sort of started to think about you know her mom a little bit. We started to think about Mary Tyler Moore, you know, when we were coming up with um, some of the images that were going to be on the wall um, with kind of just our vibe. And so, you know, what I try to bring to the table is, um, you know, from a hospitality standpoint is just warmth all around. You know, we want people to feel like they're wanted there. Oftentimes the place is packed. um, But because we're a large restaurant, we can not turn tables really fast, but we, we can find you a spot if it's in the lounge or if it's at the bar, if it's in the patio 
outside. There's a space for you until there's a better space for you. And that's something that, you know, that neighborhood really, really values. You know, we've sure. been able to get to know people on a first name basis who live in Woodland Heights and Southside. They haven't had a space mm-hmm. over there that is theirs where they can get a nice cocktail, a really nice plated entree, or come in for a beer and a burger. You know, so we're, you can dress it up or dress it down. It's very versatile. We're going to do some breaking news on the phone here in a second. <laughs> Roby, you better answer I'm that gonna, I'm I think gonna it's answer. the tobacco company club. <laughs> you know. They have a bone to pick with you. They, David they, Campbell is pissed. You want to know what? Call me. <laughs> I'm perfectly comfortable having this conversation. <laughs> so, Michael, you, you came in the uh, the podcast studio today singing a tune. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about Michael the performer because oh, I wow. feel like your job is, you know, it's business, yeah. but it's performance as well. Totally, yeah. And so let's talk about that growing up, being a performer, when you realized you wanted to be, entertain yeah. people. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've never wanted to be on stage, you know? I don't have a, th- I don't get a thrill from being in front of a live audience audience that's all looking at me but on a one-on-one basis I can perform you know um I grew up singing in church choir I grew up playing handbells we have my family all there are all musicians they play piano or sing or my dad's a drummer you know so we've we've had music in our lives you know or I've had music in my life since I was a little kid um and I've had the opportunity to kind of showcase that over the years in school and you know and college was a big part of it that you know that's where I sort of broke my fear of wanting to be on the stage. I was like, okay, well, if I'm up here with a bunch of my friends singing, like I can, I can get over this. And we did countless concerts, hundreds of concerts. Um, but, you know, translating that into, into the restaurant world is, is unique. You sure. Know? We have Instagram now as a, as a vehicle. And, you know, that's something that I'm figuring out um, just like everyone else. Um, but it's a really powerful tool. I was going to say, I think the first time you kind of appeared on my radar was when you started doing the 30 days of Beaujolais on your yeah. Instagram page. And yeah. I was like, who is this guy? I, like, <laughs> I kept on like advancing. I was like, he has so many, so many Instagram stories in a row. Like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, I have to watch. You're like, you, or you can mute me too. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you look so happy and so engaged and yeah. so interested in what you were talking about. It was very, I mean, it was very engaging. Thank you. Uh, for like, for me on my end, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but I I want to watch what he has to say and I've enjoyed many I think Roby was on one of the episodes she too. was yeah she was in the first the first iteration in June of 2019 30 days of rose absolutely talking about one of my favorite things <laughs> so if you can explain to the folks who might not have seen that what exactly yeah. we're talking about yeah so as my niece so my niece, who's 13 years old, calls it Michael's Instagram talk show, which I which think is, is like perfect. the best way to describe it, you know, for somebody who like is, you know, just understanding new new media or understanding media in general. Like um, instead of between the ferns, it's in the fern bar, in the fern bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, essentially it was just a random idea. I had to go on our Instagram account with Laura Lee's. Um, you can follow us at Laura Lee's RVA. Um, to, and you should. <laughs> we have fun. Um, but I decided for the month of June, um, I was going to drink one different glass or bottle mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of rosé um, alongside a special guest. And we would do a quick video kind of talking about that wine and do it for 30 days in a row. Um, and so that That's was... That's a resolution I can get behind. Whew. That's a New Year's resolution it's a, it's I can get behind. It's a lot of hard work. This. How many episodes have you guys done? Uh, we're... we're 20 with the upper 20s right there mm-hmm. yeah 25 we've done so far imagine doing that all in the same in month. the same month <laughs> while drinking <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. i mean it's a lot of work and then editing <sighs> it and then pulling it and then putting it up and i i was so jazzed by like day five of 30 days of rose i was like this is awesome we were getting such good response it was literally this random idea i had that just manifested itself Those so are the beautifully best. absolutely it, the best. it felt natural it felt organic and then i was like oh my god i have 25 more days to go this How is am crazy I c- consistently keep this yeah. up yes. but but you know i got the energy people were commenting and supporting and like engaged and that's what really kind of was the reward to see people coming into the restaurant saying Hey, this is awesome. What wine should we drink? And so they've been able to, I've been able to instill like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, people come to me now and they, you know, trust my judgment. Education. Exactly. You made a connection with them via yes. social media that you're not even aware of. Yes. So you have these hundreds or thousands of people and, that are watching you. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it has to do f- about wine. Like that's, I think, what is kind of the magical part. 
you know, as much as I am passionate about wine and am learning about wine myself as I'm doing these things, I don't think the people who are engaged in this are necessarily wine lovers. I think they're people who are just interested in perhaps learning a little thing new or, or along the road, but it's also about the community engagement. I have a different person that's sitting with me as a special guest who's going to be on the show tomorrow. There's this kind of mystery behind it. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of amazing people sit down and taste and taste wine with me, both people who know what they're talking about and people who don't know what they're talking about. And I think that that range of people shows the mass public that, hey, it doesn't matter if you understand this or not, you can still enjoy it. Mm -hmm. The wine world has a lot of snobbery around it. And that's, I mean, that's maybe for good reason, but anyhow, I, I like to think that Anybody can enjoy a good glass of wine. Anyone can enjoy a bad glass of wine too, but um, making it accessible is something I think that um, not enough people in this town do. You know, you either get it or you don't. I don't agree with that. I think that you should be able to put new, fun, exciting wines in people's hands and they should be able to enjoy them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, and I think that's a... Honestly, you're doing the Lord's work over there because <laughs> I think that making wine accessible is the best way for people to start drinking more of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're a very beer-focused town. We have incredible bartenders in this town who really whip up incredible cocktails, but our wine scene needs some work. Um, we don't have enough wine bars in this town that are focused on small producers, organic producers, biodynamic, natural wines, and if you will. I'll say it. We don't have enough wine bars in this town that are as accessible as I think that wine bars should be. Yeah. I want to be able to come in and say, hey, give me a red. Mm -hmm. And you say, do you like fruity? Do you like spicy? Yeah. Do you want a large ABV. And yeah. I want to say yes. And you say here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Try this, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that once, once we have more people um, comfortable to like be able to even ask their bartender those questions or like develop that language so that they can talk to their bartender about what they want. Like once that we can start that rapport, I think, you know, newer, cooler things will happen in this town. I totally, I, I'm so with you there. <laughs> my sister is a, and I, I usually get a face when I say this, but I know I'm not going to get one from you. My sister, my older of my two younger, likes a sweet mm -hmm. white mm -hmm. wine. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. One of the best wines I've had in the last couple of years was a beautiful dessert Riesling. And it was one of those moments that I will never forget because it literally made me weak in the knees. You know, it was a, you know, the, the wine hit my palate. It shuddered down my body to my knees and made me tremble. My sister's new wine. I know that sounds crazy, but <laughs> no, it's like it's perfect. You, you you can like what you like, and there's mm -hmm. quality for there's quality there for whatever you like, you know. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, she should be able to go into a place and be guided in the right direction. Sure, you know, or or you know have the right or have the place say like you need to drink a cocktail. You know, like we don't we don't have what you want. You know, we, you should we don't have cocktail. a sweet white wine, but have this <laughs> exactly. Or maybe we'll buy a Michael Schaap's Petite Mansin because that's a delicious. One. It is, yeah. You obviously been in the re restaurant industry. You said for oh my gosh, since I was probably fifteen. So right. um, yeah. is that all in Richmond, or did you grow up? No, else? no, I I grew up in Hampton Roads area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You grew up in Portsmouth. I did, yeah, Portsmouth, Virginia, P-Town. I love it. <laughs> and when did you first move to Richmond? Um, 2009. So I, after I graduated from college, I moved to Richmond. And um, what was your plan at that point? I didn't have a plan. So like I, I, you know, wanted to go to VCU Arts. I got into VCU Arts, and then I got into William and Mary, and made the game day decision to go to William and Mary. So I've always wanted. I had always wanted to come to Richmond. Um, and so when I graduated and had no plans and no idea what I was going to do and the economy had just crashed, I was like, well, uh, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me move to Richmond. So me and a bunch of friends, um, we actually moved to Manchester on ooh, 12th and Bainbridge. And, um, it was a totally different side of town then. Um, but we rented a house and, um, all got jobs kind of downtown. Like that's when I got the job at a tobacco company, which we will not talk about. That's my Voldemort. Honestly, like <laughs> that place is all about the people. I'm all about good people. You know, like 
I, they've had some amazing people work there. Oh, I will I will say that. Oh my gosh. Like knowing nobody in Richmond and then falling into that group of people was was really fortunate. Was Shannon Siriano there when you worked there? Or had she did she take it over right after? I I know that name. Okay, I don't Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if I knew her, but Those are some great people but that like, worked at but no longer work at. Chuck and Amy at Moore Street Cafe. Love them. Oh my god. Those people need to be on your podcast. I've reached out to them. Yes, I love them. Do it. Chuck I, and Amy. I love them. Of course, I love the Moore Street Cafe. Come on. <laughs> me, me too. They have mimosas. So cheap. Where would you say the restaurant industry was in Richmond when you moved here? Like, Were you aware of the restaurants that were the hot places in town? You said you were working yeah. at a tobacco company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely um, you know, tried to see. I wanted to see the city. I didn't know anything about the city. So I definitely would go to places like Can Can and Acacia um, and wanted to kind of you know feel out the scene. But I was also kind of really young and partying at house parties and drinking lots of beer and, you know, getting into trouble. So I wasn't too hyper-focused on it. Sure. Um, and at that point, I was still, like, you know, actively making art and pursuing this, you know, idea of being an artist. And I wasn't too focused on Richmond Dining. I ha- really hadn't been bit by the bug until I started working at the museum. Well, one of the things that Roby and I try to do is kind of kind of chart the, um, the, the ascension mm-hmm. of the Richmond restaurant industry mm-hmm. scene and kind of figure out where we are today. Yeah. So obviously there was a huge like ramp up. Yeah. He Lots actually, of places opening. I quite frankly think he got here just as the ramp was beginning. Yeah, I would I would agree to that. I mean, Twitter <clears throat> I think really helped propel um, the conversation amongst a certain group of people in Richmond. The one good thing that Twitter has done in the last <laughs> I mean, last I don't decade. use Twitter anymore, but for a minute there, I was using it all the time. And I feel like everyone was using it all the time. The um, RVA Dine hashtag, I think, really, really helped oh God, kind yes. of glue people together so that people were aware of, you know, everyone's efforts and they could work together. Um what did the, the, uh, I guess Kendra started doing the shindigs too um, mm-hmm. on Sunday evenings, which was kind of like a potluck dinner for um, independent restaurant folk to get sure, together. So a bunch and, of food individuals got together and sent on Sunday, maybe yeah. the first. I mean, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was at different restaurants. You know, I went to one that was hosted at Heritage. Um, that's where I think I met um, the Olive Autumn Olive Farm guys. Oh, um, so it was it was a good opportunity for people to network who maybe hadn't done it before, and then the national media caught attention and it was kind of over at that point. It was boosh. There you go. Sure. And you were in the middle of when the, essentially the, um, we talked to Lee Gregory and mm-hmm. essentially it, um, that's kind of where the, like you sat right in the ignition point. Oh my God. Absolutely. Or the pilot light. Let's just say mm-hmm. that. I feel like the Roosevelt was certainly a part of the ignition. Absolutely. What did that feel like? Oh my gosh. It was you feel like your head was coming off. It was kind of scary, you know? And, and I was also moved, I moved into a restaurant at the Roosevelt where with a bunch of people I hadn't worked with ever who had built that from the ground up. That was their baby. And then here comes this guy who's going to be their, their boss. So there was a little bit of tension to be perfectly honest. Honest, you know, people, um, they weren't sure if they were going to like me, you know? What's not to like? <laughs> but, you know, I also... I was going to say, you probably felt similar back, I mean, the back to them. You're like, crap, I want them to like exactly. me. Exactly. And like, and we worked it out beautifully. You know, I was able to really... Well, they're crappy people, those people. Oh, there. no! You know, T's the worst, no. Lee's the worst, Kendra's amazing. Oh my, I mean, no, they're, the, you know they're not. Those they're are great. Some, yeah, those are the hustlers in Richmond Dining. Um, and they will always be that way. Oh God, they're such good eggs. Exactly. Um, But being in that ignition seat was, I mean, I knew it was game. It was game day. You know, like I, I took that job very seriously. Um, You know, I, I have been given incredible opportunities while I've been in Richmond, been in Richmond and I don't take any of that for granted. And so knowing what, where the Roosevelt was when I jumped on board, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, and we, we, we made it work. (laughs) You guys really did make it work. I mean, I just think about how how much you guys had to feel like chickens with your head cut off just running around. Cause the- there would be so many days where, because there's two doors at the Roosevelt, <laughs> where there would be people at both doors before we opened. Someone would try the handle and it would be locked because we're not open yet. Right. And then the person behind them would try the handle furiously. It's like a side entrance, it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so we got a lot of space there. <laughs> oh, like, and it's like, calm down, linger. guys. We swear we're going to open when we say we do. I know. We'd call those the zombies, you know? They're trying to get in. Like <laughs> walking that dead. type of person has to bother and you guys in the restaurant industry. The individual that thinks at 440 just because you're in the restaurant <laughs> yeah. means that you can 
let them in. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that mentality I because know. you would not try to get into a Walmart it's at true. 7.40 when they open at they, 8. They won't let you in. Right. Mm-hmm. So why is it different in any other business? Because I can see you. Maybe. And you maybe know my name. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we, it's raining outside. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yes. It's pouring down snow on my head. You're not going to let me in? Yeah. Can you share with us some of the more interesting uh, situations you've had to deal with as front of the house oh, manager? Man, um, I usually try to leave that at the door. Honestly, like I will deal with situations that come up in the moment because no matter how good you are at managing expectations, people get upset. And I usually try to deal with that in that moment. And then before I go to bed at night, I try to let it clear my head. That's not to say I can't pull up some cool, cool. There's got to be one story you can share with the uh, the boys and girls at home. Man, I'd have to really think about that. Um, I mean, none that are like funny. They're all just kind of tragic. We like tragic. Well, we don't like tragic, but I'll take tragic or celebrity. It's either comedy or tragedy, Ooh, right? That's the way it is. Celebrity. Ooh. Okay, so this was at the museum. I mean, this is not this is not even really that cool. And of course it is. <laughs> um, but I I will never forget um the day that James Spader just walked in to amuse. This is when they were filming Lincoln. Um, and I was like, oh my God, James James Spader, this is really cool. Um, and so he came in and um, sat down and come to find out he's like an enormous Civil War history buff. And so he's sitting there like looking out across at what is like the Daughters of the Confederacy building. And, you know, the museum is built on all that Confederate property. And so he's just like in history. He is just like so excited. And so I go up to his table and he's talking to me about all these things. And he clearly is like in Richmond to film Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more to like see see all this stuff and feel the history. And so, like, that was cool. And then he leaves. And then a couple days later, like, um, I get a call on the phone. And um, <laughs> I answer it. I'm like, Michael, amused. And it's like, Michael, it's James. No. And I was like, I was like, James? He's like, James Spader. And I was like, excuse me? I'm on a first name basis with James Spader? Can you hold for a second while yeah, I do a tiny little I, dance? Oh, yeah. There were lots of dances <laughs> happening. I may have peed myself. And he was trying to get a table. And um, we, you we, said yes. Of course. Yeah, we got him in. But it was just funny. He was like, you know, just driving around town. He was on his, you know, on his car phone. Like, Michael, hi, it's James. Oh, my God. Hi, it's James. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm coming to Laura Lee's, I'm going to circle back around before yeah. we let you go back to your busy lifestyle uh, <laughs> of performing in no, the, this in has the been front fun. and the back of the house. <laughs> um, if I'm coming to Laura Lee's, obviously I want the frozen cocktail. Yeah. So we, we put our frozen drink machine away. However, it's going to make a grand appearance for our Valentine's Day event, which is coming up on February 13th. I hesitate to even mention it because this is our fourth annual Valentine's day if you haven't been to a galentine's day event before it's ladies celebrating ladies leslie nope of parks and recreation sort of put it together on a couple episodes and we have just run wild with it um four years ago um we had our first event um it was shortly after the women's march in washington and so there was a lot of like good feeling about like um you know female power and like getting all the ladies together to kind of like Stir shit up. Um. <laughs> Great. With frozen cocktails. Exactly. And then you guys sort of not, I mean, not the opposite of that, but you guys have a daddy's day. Yeah. So we do a gay pride pop-up in June. Um, we've done it two years in a row now on the Saturday before um, Father's Day, and we call it Daddy's Day. Nice. Um, and so we we work with Miss Magnolia Jackson Pickett Burnside, who is a drag queen around town, who is, I'm going to say my favorite. Uh, shots fired. Um, <laughs> Such controversy. She's, she's great, though. She's great. She's a great performer. The costumes are ex- outstanding. Um, anyhow, sh- she They're exceptional. She provides the entertainment for our Valentine's Day event, our Daddy's Day event in, in June, and we've started doing a um, holidays or a drag brunch around Christmas time. Um, so those three events. Everyone asks, do you do drag brunches? It's like three, two times a year we do a drag brunch, and then we do a drag dinner in February, which is coming up on the thirteenth. You will see that it's sold out, everybody. Um, but please come in as a walk-in. Um, Maybe we can talk him into a second night. Oh, 
it's more like talking <laughs> talking <laughs> magnolia so. we got to talk magnolia jackson pickett burnside to a second <laughs> night which a, is that is a name right there. yeah i know right i took it has taken me years to get that down what i normally it? one more time miss magnolia jackson pickett burnside i love it <laughs> very antebellum Right? Absolutely. She's the Southern Fried Socialite. She's the Southern go. Fried Socialite. Perfect. <laughs> Before you wrap up the episode, um, could we get like an, an out, outro song from Michael? He he, he led us into oh the beautiful intro God. song. I want to hear like a... I'm, I'm here for it. Right. Oh. I mean, he's, so. he was on stage and he just has us. We can turn our backs to you. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to produce this. You're going you're gonna to sing us out. Okay. And then Roby's going to sign off on the interview. And then we're going to... Oh my God. And then we're all going to stand in a pause. (laughs) Talking about putting me on the spot. Oh my God. Okay. So I did a warm up earlier, which was nothing. And it was. Oh, excuse us. Yeah. (laughs) Sounded good to us. I mean, it was nothing. It was Um, amazing. Okay, so we're gonna like an end of show, like a show I know, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the audience to Have its you feet. noticed that Scott started to get conducted <laughs> hands on you? I, I know. don't know if you saw that. But exactly. He's like, I will do this. It's the My producer in me. Just... Um, okay, so His palms are sweating. <laughs> it's you can, true. You can take the mic out of this. Oh no, no, up. that's oh, not gonna I want help. You to stand up, maybe do a little dance. Oh my gosh, my friend Callie Strain, who we we do karaoke. Love her. She's, She's stalling. She's loving. I am stalling. She's loving this right now. Um. Okay, um, let me think, let me think. Um, I just don't even know what I would do. I'm so ready for it. You just see me over here. <laughs> I got a little beat in my head. It's a good thing this ready. all gets edited out. Um, I'm trying to think what I should do. What do you think? Um, something that's short and sweet yes. and... Um, Whatever the first thing that comes to your head. I know. Whatever you can do best. I know, I know. Whatever you be proud of. We're going we're gonna to be proud no matter what because I can't do it. <laughs> I, I'm so in love with you. Whatever you want to do is all right with me. Because you make me feel so brand new okay that's that's all you get <laughs> and that is for autumn olive farms tyler trainum and uh, what is her name what is miss train linda linda I, oh she's gonna be well she's gonna love me now but oh, she'll be mad linda. for i mean forgetting her name no she won't that's that's for linda. y'all perfect <laughs> you're listening to eat it virginia with roby and scott and the amazing michael smith Lorelees. <laughs> thank you Scott, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Oh, Roby, that's the age-old question. Isn't the Super Bowl on Valentine's Day this year? No. It's not? It's a, no. It's a different day? That's, I was planning on watching the football game on Valentine's Day. It's yesterday. Maybe I'll take the it. The Super Bowl oh, was yeah. yesterday. That was a great game, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. The commercials were my favorite part. <laughs> of course they are. And the ending. Oh, my gosh. That's how... Dude. So dramatic. <laughs> Man. This is great. Isn't the Super Bowl on Valentine's Day? What are you going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do? I have no big plans on Valentine's this year. I it's a Friday. It is. A, you is. do have big plans on Valentine's Day. You know what? I can't even believe he said that. And I'm going to be really, really. He comes to my house on Valentine's Day, quite honestly. But that's cool. What would you do if you weren't coming to my house? Wow. <laughs> you're yelling at me. I am. I'm a guest in your house and you're yelling at me. I think it's crap. Don't go out on Valentine's Day. Well, I'm going to your house. So yeah, well, now you're saying what, I shouldn't come. No, you should come to my house. Don't go out on Valentine's Day. But where would you go? Well, let's 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 happen to our mailbag real quick. Our social media mailbag. They want to know what okay, to do. Okay, well, ask the question. What do they, what do they say? Um, dates that don't break the bank. So if you want to ask us a question on social media, you can reach us at, at Eat It Virginia on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. Also, you can email eatitvirginia at gmail One of the questions we had today for Valentine's Day suggestions that don't break the bank. So Seco has a Valentine's Day thing that's great. Um, Broken Tulip is actually all have has completely sold out of its reservations, but the day before, something... A little less pressure, huh? Yeah, the 13th. the 13th, yes. And then you have a really good idea if you weren't coming to my house because I'm amazing, and thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So my idea is I like to put together, instead of going out to get together... Um, like a not a picnic basket per se, but the idea of a picnic basket, going to different local purveyors, local grocery stores, finding 
a little bit of you know chocolate, a little bit of steak, a little bit so of seafood. So you're gear harding kind of it, 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 you're bombolining it, and you're cardinal state butchering it. I'm, yes, I'm taking little pieces of All the right. best parts of Richmond and and presenting it to the, the person I love as my token of that. Will you add some sort of local brews or wines to that, or no? I think I should. I mean, Reservoir Distillery, I think, is going to go to the right oh, place. You hard hitting, huh? Of course, yeah, you know. it'll definitely go to the yeah, right place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you? If, if I was putting, all right, Roby, this is the question. Hit me. If you were my Valentine, yes. If the newly engaged Roby Martin were my Valentine, sure. What would you want in that picnic basket? Cake from. Oh crud! Yeah, lush cupcakes because that's boozy, and I want a boozy cake. All right, what flavors? All of them. <laughs> 12 boozy cupcakes. End scene. <laughs> what other questions do we have in our uh, our mailbag? I don't know. I'm still thinking about boozy cake, and that's a movie I'd watch. So um, what was the other questions we had? We had crap, crap, crap. Was it crap. about a coffee shop, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, to do work. Don't go to Blanchard's. You're not getting any work done there. The coffee's too good. The beautiful people will be judging you. They're not judging you. They're just drinking They're delicious just coffee. The place is in a beaker. That place is an Instagram uh, setting. Yeah, it's a coffee in a beaker. It's gorgeous. So I don't generally leave the newsroom. Is that a beaker? Is that a bun- no? Bunsen's are burners. Beakers are containers. Yes, they are. Yes. One talks with a very high pitched voice, and the other has glasses. Nice job. It's a Muppet reference. It is, but they're also a scientific thing. Sure. Yes, I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> okay, just FYI, Mister. <laughs> there's no pilgrims in Williamsburg. The Muppets didn't come first. I thought the Muppets were. No, it was the science first and then the Muppet. Right, it's chicken egg, chicken egg. Um, so my question for you, I don't leave the newsroom. We've, we've established this. I'm, I'm here. When I work, I'm generally here. I do walk to Blackhand. I do walk to Blanchard's. I do walk to Stella's Market for a cup of coffee every now and again. But I'm not really doing work there. Mm-hmm. It's, actually, that's my break from work. So your job sometimes can be a little more mobile. Do you ever park yourself in a local coffee shop to get actual work done? Uh, mm, not as much as I should. Um, Roastology, however, just opened, and that's a pretty place to get to work done. I heard it's gorgeous. Sure, Ironclad Downtown's a great place to get work done if you're in down Another in that gorgeous area. space. Not as many seats as I would like it to have to get work done, or high enough desks. Like, I say desks, but tables, because that can be a little weird. Um, brick and mortar has this, like, super cushy couch that's the one on carrie street in carytown right that that place is interesting to me that was recommended to me i think i might have seen it on instagram actually and i walked in and it's a retail store it is you can buy a sweater and get work done do you know the story behind that place at all no he's just real nice and he makes good coffee delicious coffee it's it's wonderful yes so that's uh sure entwined right there too if you can't get a seat at brick and mortar um all the way back up, you could go to the hated Capital One Cafe. You know what else is like an underrated place, maybe? Although everyone knows about it, so it probably can't be underrated. But just Elwood Thompson. I mean, everyone is doing work there. They have a good coffee bar there. The Wi-Fi is great. There's a billion seats. Yep, yep. Yeah, so Happy hour is great if you stay all day. The pastries are abundant. Yep, yep. There you go. All yeah. the cake you can eat. Yeah, which you know is what I want. But you're paying for it. It's not all the cake you can eat for free. No, it's, it's not just a Shoney's buffet of cake. No, that would oh, be nice. That that's your barometer, the Shoney's buffet of I cake. Mean, sure, right? Yeah, this podcast is over. This episode of Eat It Virginia, <laughs> Eat It Virginia. <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no. Oh God, no.